0: and yet you still come uh, to a service at night. I know I said it earlier, but I'm just really thankful that you um, you show up on a day after having a day at work and um, just the stress of that. And so I appreciate you being here and I hope that tonight uh, will be an encouragement to you. I hope it will also uh, be an exhortation that it will take us from where we are and will not leave us alone, but change us into what, we, uh, what God wants us to be. Um, so that's uh, of course the goal tonight too. So Uh, Make sure, I just want to um, emphasize again, grab our prayer card. If you haven't gotten our prayer card, please grab that. And uh, if you'd like to hear from us each month, I send out a monthly email update and just to, just let people know what all is going on in our lives. Um, I like to tell, um, I like to tell stories about um, what the Lord's been doing in different people's lives. Sometimes we're in a, sometimes we're in a neat situation where like uh, someone gets saved or there's an answer to prayer. So I try to share those things and. You know, also, I just try to share, um, sometimes funny things happen in life. Sometimes they're funny, um, like, long after it's over, you know what I'm talking about, and uh, those things happen, and um, so, I, so I try to share with you some funny things out of our lives, and, um, you know, as one person said, uh, if you uh, can't learn to laugh at yourself, laugh at other people. So sometimes I share some things that other people do, and, uh, and so um, So if you'd like to hear from us, um, put your email address down, because one of the things... Um, I really consider is those who pray for us. I really consider you a team and I put at the top of that thing Join the prayer team and I didn't just come up with that um, You ever did you ever notice like in um, <coughs> In um, prayer letters Do you ever um, uh, start to notice all the different ways that the missionaries address the churches? You know dear praying friends dear friends dear friends at the church dear church friends that are praying dear um praying church friends, you know, and like our uh, dear um, brothers and sisters in Christ, your brethren within the Lord. And they have all kinds of uh, ways they address us. But um, I love to set to um, describe um, you as my, my prayer team. Because I I love sports. So, um, you know, maybe you say, well, I don't like sports. So use a different metaphor. Folks, Paul used sports, okay, and his, uh, uh, he liked sports, and some of his sports metaphors ended up in the Bible, okay, so sports illustrations are okay, um, but uh, one of the things I uh, enjoy is I think on a team, and I think about how, um, you know, some of the players get all the glamour, and they get all the attention, and however, you know, certain, you know, those players would not get the attention they're getting if other players around them weren't doing their part, and sometimes I feel like, People look at me and think that oh well oh, there's brother Matt. you know he's just he's just turning up and really, the reality is I'm not is I have there are plenty of nights that have happened where I come to the pulpit and I just feel empty I, I don't know how to put it but I just feel empty and uh, and I preach and God works anyway and then I and oftentimes I think someone else was praying for us so uh, I really appreciate. Um, those of you who will pray for us in the future, um, maybe one thing you could do. Um, one guy at my home church, he takes this because it's got something you can pray for every day. He takes it and he uses my prayer card to pray for us and four or five other missionaries. He prays through the same request for them as well. And so, uh, so maybe that will be a help to you um, in your prayer time. Then of course out there the music's on the table. This is the CD. I keep telling you about called prepare This is the CD that my wife and I made uh, a few years back There's some uh, guitar songs on there if you like guitar I play guitar my wife plays penny whistle and so we have a couple songs about that Half the songs on here are songs of revival and so these things will really stir you if you love I'm thinking about and praying for revival these songs will really stir you and then there's um, if you like to hear guys sing Um, I got to jump on board with a couple of guys' groups, and so uh, this is a CD of, um, if you like to hear men sing with some full orchestration, uh, there's two um, CDs like that out there. And then in the midst of all the kids' stuff, there's one CD out there that as an adult I really enjoy. There's one volume, it's called Bible Truth Kids Sing Hymns. And this is the one that has like the, you know, the, um, you know, power in the blood uh, Jesus Loves Me, all those kinds of songs like that. So this is one that I enjoy listening to. Um, but make sure, before tomorrow night, make sure you take advantage of that table and uh, just put something in the box, whatever you think is fair. I want you to be able to walk out of here uh, this week with some, uh, some, music, some fresh music uh, in, your, um, in, your, uh, in your life, something that will hopefully uh, be a little bit of an encouragement to you, okay? All right, well, let's hit Mark chapter 8. Listen, remember, tomorrow night, big night. It's a big deal. We're having this family night. It is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Um, Please don't be that person that says, well, Brother Matt, I'm already saved. Glad you are. Um, I'm already saved, so I guess tomorrow night's not for me. Okay. (laughs) So, um, you missed the whole point, is that one of the things that, the whole point of us as a church body being here, just imagine, Imagine if you say, well, I'm, I'm already saved, so I don't feel like I really need to be there. Imagine if the rest of us did that. Then we'd have, um, you know, three, four, five visitors show up, and it would be uh, me and uh, maybe Pastor, oh, he's saved too, as far as I know, so, you know, it would be just me up here, you know, with four or five visitors. The whole point of, uh, of all of us that when the visitors come in, you see someone you don't know, listen, if you see someone you don't know, someone you don't know tomorrow, number one, don't panic. Number two, invite them to sit by you. And if they don't want to, no problem. But if they do, you know what? All you have to do is just have a spot where they can sit next to you. You know, I've been in churches sometimes where I've been new, and it was was always a nice thing when someone said, do you want to sit by us? You know, sometimes we okay sure and we go sit by him we didn't even know him and we didn't really even talk to him that much during from the day but we just appreciate it someone wanted us to sit by him so uh, if you see someone you don't know make them feel welcome and uh and we'll look forward to maybe tomorrow night maybe we'll see someone get saved. Would that be cool? Pray towards that, okay? Pray towards that. Pray you, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers, us, into his harvest field. Maybe we'll see the Lord uh, let us reap a little bit tomorrow. That would be, that'd be exciting. That's what we're planning for, preparing for, and praying for, okay? That's cool. Three Ps. Planning, preparing, and praying for, okay? All right, so um, tonight, as pastor said this is kind of our uh, kind of our last if we want to say normal night um, because tomorrow's going to be very different very special um, I hope that you will let God's Word just sink deep into your heart this is um uh, we're in the book of Mark chapter 8 we're in the Gospels and this what we're going to look at is really one of Jesus's most polarizing passages that he ever um, said that he ever taught and it's not polarizing because it's difficult Or or I should say it's not polarizing because it's hard to understand or something like that. It's polarizing because what it does And it happened back in uh, in mark chapter 8 with the people there and it may happen here tonight And so I hope that you will let the words of Jesus Stir you and change you here tonight. So mark chapter 8 Bible says when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also he said unto them whosoever will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the Gospels the same shall save it for what shall profit a man if he shall gain the whole world lose his own soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father with the holy angels let's pray Heavenly Father help us Holy Spirit open our eyes as we look into this passage I pray that you would be our teacher I pray that you would convict us, and I pray that you would fill me and say everything that's got to be said, keep me from saying anything that must not be said. And I pray that you would, um, would you just protect uh, our room and our minds here tonight from, uh, from our adversary, protect us from believing his lies. I pray that we would be surrendered in, uh, in every, everything that you point out uh, in these moments here tonight pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's a question to start us off. How many of you have ever been a part of a club? Now, hold your hands. Hold your hands one second. I'm going to tell you what kind of a club. How many of you have ever been a part of, like, a, not a 4-H club, not a club that adults organize? How many of you have ever been a part of a club that, like, you kids put together and you were part of a club like that would you raise your hand how many of you were ever part of that as a kid a few of you were yeah yeah sometimes those are the best ones you know now for for guys especially if we had a club you know uh there's a there's number one important rule you know what it is Keep the girls out. That is number one, because you don't want the girls getting in there and messing up a lot of fun. Okay, so so that, you know maybe you've been a part of a club, maybe you didn't, um, but um, you know I was in um, it may have been around third grade, fourth grade, somewhere around in there. Um, it wasn't it wasn't very old, but it was, I was elementary age. And a friend of mine who was the same age told me that there were some kids that were starting a club. But folks, these were not just any kids; these were older kids okay these were these were not just uh, like third graders these were mature people they were like almost adults i mean they might have been sixth grade you know in my mind they looked like adults you know they I mean, mature people probably sixth grade you know and um and so these two guys were starting a club and like any good guys club you have to have an initiation to get into the club right And so you've got to have an initiation. All right, so now this is what, now please take this with a grain of salt. This is one third grader talking to another third grader, okay, uh, about what he has heard, okay? Um, So he said, if you're going to get into this club, there are, um, there's three different kinds of initiations. You get to pick which one you want to do, okay? Option one, you want to join this club. Option one was you could take a knife and carve a smiley face into your arm. That was option one. But if you didn't like that option, there was option two. Option two was you could take your hand and hold it uh, in like a bonfire for five seconds. That was option two. And if you didn't like option two, they were nice. They had option three. And option three was, um, it was basically you had to jump off of like a high... Uh, a thing up high. How many of you hate heights? How many of you do not do well with heights? Okay. Yeah, of course, the tallest guy in the room, he's scared of heights, okay? Um, yeah, the, uh, so maybe you don't like heights. So what had to happen was, um, I, I forget if it was 10 feet. Uh, I feel like it was probably 10 feet because um, the number I remember, remember third graders talking to third graders, I feel like he said 30 feet, but um, I have jumped off one time off a 30-foot diving board. and I'm just going to tell you what, it took forever to get down to the water. And I can't imagine jumping off that, jumping on land. Then again, these sixth graders were not the brightest bulbs in, uh, in, the, uh, in Lowe's. And so, the, um, and so this was, but these were the initiations if you want to join this club. Can I tell you something, people? If you were dumb enough to do one of those three things, I mean, you know, isn't it amazing? I don't think anyone did. I think those two guys were the only ones who were in their club. And I, I assume the club has died by now. Um, but, you know, some people will pay a very high price to be a part of something that's not very valuable. You ever notice that? You know, um, another uh, example of that is that clubs for little kids, um, they kind of transition. And they morph as, as, these young, as young people become older, become adults, and uh, sometimes these clubs can turn very bad, very... Um, uh, mischievous and sometimes violent and they look like something called gangs. I remember, um, remember watching a, actually it was some kind of a documentary it was former gang members that were talking about their times in these gangs and they said oh man, they said when we were in high school they said we knew who was in the gangs. They said because you'd show up at you'd come in one day to school and you'd see one of your friends walk in with a $200 pair of shoes and he said you knew that his family and he could not afford a $200 pair of shoes. But everyone knew he had joined a gang and he said this gang member said this former gang member said you join a gang he says they promise you everything they promise money they promise drugs they promise sex they promise uh, immorality they promise cars they promise alcohol they promise having family they promise everything that we want and uh they'll deliver Like they were supposed to. Because he said, actually what happened was, when I joined this uh, gang, he said, all of a sudden, my life had to change. He said, I was forever on the run. I was always running. I was always running uh, from other gang members. I was always running from the police. He said I was always on the run. He said if someone showed up from another gang on my turf, he said I had to fight them. No matter what the situation was, where I was, if I saw an enemy gang member on my turf, he said I I just had to fight him. He said you couldn't go anywhere that you want. Your entire life changed. Again, some people will pay a very high price, be a part of something, (laughs) That's just not very valuable Christian you know what Jesus wants you to be a part of He wants you to be a part of something he calls being a disciple He wants you to choose to be different from the crowd And to be a disciple I like how in verse 34 there's a little distinction here He says when he had called the people unto him With his disciples also. There's a distinction. There's the crowd. Then there's the disciples. Folks, you know there's a lot, there are, there are plenty of, could we say this? There are plenty of crowd Christians. There are plenty of Christians of all ages, from from youth all the way up to uh, uh, to retired age. There are plenty of crowd Christians who just kind of coast along, do what they uh, do what they probably ought to do, and just kind of live life as they want, and you'll know, serve God when it fits into their schedule. Can I t- can I uh, say something? As, as I look, you know, at this group here, I don't know everything about your lives. I just don't. And um, but I would believe this. I think that for Probably most of you, if not maybe all of you, most of you in this room, you want God to use you. that be a fair statement. I think most of you would say, I want God to use me. Can I tell you something, friend? You want God to use you. You have got to be willing to be a disciple. And Jesus makes it very plain. You want to be used by God? Jesus says, it will cost you a lot. Jesus didn't pad this and say, if you want to be used, hey, this is going to be cool. The blessings are going to just dump out of heaven. He says, no, it's not going to, it's going to cost you. But he says, it's got high rewards. What's, what, what, what are these? What, what, what is this? What are, are these costs? And what are these rewards? Let's talk about it here. I want you to look here tonight at Christ's terms of discipleship first of all uh let's so let's understand christ's terms of discipleship by doing this first let's i I say let's read the conditions can we do that before you do something it's good to read you know read the terms and conditions how many of you have ever had a um uh you know you especially on your phone or on your computer you're going to download a program or an app and there's that little box that says I agree with the terms and conditions. How many of you have ever checked a box before that said, I agree with the terms and conditions? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have ever done that before? Yeah, sure. Love you yeah. have. How many of you would say, um, I read them all? Oh, look at that. You know, we've all said, I agree, but lots of, we have even read some of the terms and conditions. Why? Because that's just what we do. Um, I remember being, tw- uh, I was um, 13 years old. And I, I purchased with my own money, a football video game that I was excited about. Okay. You hear me back there. It was Madden 2002. Oh, it was cool. Yeah, so this was amazing. And so, and so I'm excited about this, uh, this football game and I'm, I'm excited about playing it. And so when I was getting it loaded onto our computer, because someone had given us, it wasn't brand new, but it was new to us. I'm telling you what, this computer was updated. It had windows XP on it. Oh, some of you are like, is that a, is that a big deal? in 2004 it was okay it was uh, it was a big deal then but um so so uh, so I'm all excited about loading this game on the computer and as it's loading you put the disk in and that thing's loading it brings up a question that says do you agree to the terms and conditions well I'm 13 years old and I've never been confronted by one of these terms and conditions before so I started reading it and I'm thinking oh you know I'm not understanding this I hope this isn't like really important because I really want to play my game, and I'm scrolling through it, and I'm reading it. I'm not understanding all of it. I, I don't know if I even got halfway before I just said, you know, I, I want to play my game. I agree. I hope I don't regret this, and so far, I'm still okay. Okay, you know, most of the time when you click um, agree to the terms and conditions, it's not a big deal. Who knows what all is in that stuff? We just don't pay attention to it. Listen. If you want to be used by God, you better read the conditions, the terms. What are the conditions that he says? If you want to be a disciple, you want to be used by God. You want to be different from all the crowd Christians that sit in church. What has to happen, look at it, it says in verse number 34, Jesus says, whosoever will come after me, that's a disciple, okay? Whosoever will come after me, what? Let him deny himself. Okay. Well, so the first condition Jesus says is you want to be used by God, you want to be a disciple, you got to deny yourself. Okay, well, what in the world does that mean? Okay, so the word deny, some people look at that word deny, you know, and Christians are commanded, deny yourself. And some people, especially today, might say, well, Brother Matt, I just can't deny who I am as a person. And my personality and my identity, this is who I, I can't deny. Okay. That's not what the word deny means, okay? The word deny, it's real simple. The Greek word for deny is so easy. It simply means to say no. You ever had to say no to something? You ever had kids? (laughs) You've said no a lot. You ever gone on a diet? You've had to say no a lot. Nope. We have to get you know if you're going to have children, if you're going to go on a diet, you have to learn to say no to things that you want. You know, if you're trying to um, you know you're trying to maybe shave off a few pounds, and so you're really trying to work on this diet. You know, you're excited, you're at home, you're cooking the right kind of food, and and you're doing this thing, and then you show up to Sunday school, and someone walks in with that box of donuts, and you're just looking. They're so beautiful. And you're just looking at them, and you, you know, if you want, you'll know, the uh, if you want the, the, the weight goals that you're going after, you have to learn to say no to something like donuts, even though they're beautiful. You gotta learn to say no to them. And you know what Jesus says is, if you're going to be used by me, he says, you have got to have a fundamental reorientation of your brain that basically gets you used to saying no to you. Because as Americans, we are very used to saying yes to us. We want it, we buy it. If we want it, we do. if we want to do it, we do it. If we don't want to do it, we don't do it. We have so many choices and options for us in America that this idea of saying no to what we want is so foreign to us. But Jesus says, if you want to be used by me, you've got to learn to start saying no to your own desires. Hey, let's start simple. It can start as simple as learning to say no to the desire to sleep in when you should be in here for Sunday school. Not just showing up for the morning service, but making an extra effort to show up for the Bible study during the Sunday school hour. That could be a simple way to start learning to say no to the things you like. Um, Maybe sometimes, is it not, especially um, after 2020, is it not tempting sometimes to just say, you know, I could just stay home and catch the live stream? Right? And I'm not talking about oh, uh, you know, I've got poor health. I feel sick as a dog I get that listen if you feel sick as a dog stay home We don't want what you have. Okay, come on. You know, come on back the next day when you're feeling better Okay, but I get it when your health is just not doing well, but how many times have we not been perfectly healthy? We're just kind of tired and feeling a little lazy and we just want to catch the live stream when we know We ought to be in God's house We gotta learn to say no to some simple things that we like. Um you know, uh, uh, maybe uh, friends come to town, family comes to town, we, uh, and then sometimes we struggle between choosing them or choosing church. You know, um, how about uh, sometimes we got to learn to say no to just enjoying our phones because we haven't had devotions yet that day. You know, these are some simple, very small things that, that at least seem like the basics that, we are, that give examples to us that we are so used to telling ourselves, Yes, sir, whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. That God says, you want to be used by me? He says, you've got to start getting used to telling yourself no on a lot of things. Then what else? What's the next condition? He says, you want to be used by me? You want to be a disciple? He says, you're going to have to deny yourself. But then number two, he says, you're going to have to bear your cross. Verse 34 says, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, can I tell you a couple things that it does not mean? Um, some, people, um, well, some people think that when Jesus says, you know, when Jesus says, you need to bear your cross, what's he saying? Some people think that Jesus is literally meaning you need to put yourself through physical torture like what Jesus did on the cross. Folks, that's not accurate. Uh, there, though, um, this past Easter, as every year happens, there's a place in the Philippines where they have parades and people will walk down in this parade and they will um they'll the men will walk down with their shirts off, they'll be taking a whip and they'll be whipping themselves. It'll be a cat of nine tails like what Jesus was whipped with. They'll walk in this parade, whipping themselves. There'll be some who will carry crosses down this parade. And folks, in this this thing at the Philippines, there are actually people who will be nailed who were and are every year nailed to crosses. In fact, there's one guy, he does it every year. They're used to it. In fact, the hospitals are used to it. He gets, his friends take him, they nail him to a cross, he stays on for about 10 minutes, they take him down, take him to the hospital. He does it every year. Is that what Jesus means when he says, you need to bear my cross? No, 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 no. All right, now here's another thing. Let's be careful with this, but let's be accurate. You know something else that bearing your cross does not mean? Bearing your cross for Jesus is not you having a disease or a handicap. Okay? Watch this. You know, if, like when we have poor health, and it's going to be with us the rest of our lives, and I'm not not upset at someone who said this. I bet you I've said this before. Have you ever said, well, or heard someone say, well, you know, this, this condition I have is just, it's just my cross to bear. Listen, again, I'm not being critical of someone who says that because I get the motivation behind it. Totally pure motivation. But the um, the reality is, bearing your cross is a choice. I don't know about you, but I didn't pick any of the the health problems that I have. My big one, I have a bad back. My lower back is terrible. Can I tell you something? I didn't pick that. Bearing your cross is a choice that you've got to make. So what does it mean to bear your cross? Here it is. When you, now, there's uh, honestly, there's several aspects to bear your cross. I'm just going to focus on kind of one that I think summarizes the idea the best, is that when the Roman government, which really uh, popularized this method of execution called crucifixion, one of the things they would do, as you know from the story of Jesus, is they would take uh, a convicted criminal who was going to die on a cross, and they would make him walk through the streets, out the front gate, doing what? Carrying his cross, you know why because when he would walk out that gate Carrying uh, walk through the streets out that gate carrying the cross He was a picture and an illustration to all the people because they would be milling through the you know through the streets They might maybe they would take him down through the marketplace where there were tons of people so that everyone when they would hear the, you know, the Commotion coming they would see so-and-so coming down carrying his cross. They knew two things one. He was gonna die two they knew this What was represented there was that this man who is bowed under the weight of the cross, this was a man who had been in rebellion to the Roman government, now is bowed in submission to the Roman government. And it was a physical picture for the people to see. Guess who's in charge here? Romans. And so when Jesus said to these people, he said, you want to be a disciple? You want me to actually use you? He says, You've got to be, you've got to bear your cross. You've got to be submitted to me in everything. In other words, you cannot come up with a choice in life that doesn't involve God. That every decision you make involves what does God want. Usually, we're used to just deciding things based on, what do I want? But God says, no, you've got to be willing to submit and say, I will serve God any way he wants. I will go wherever God wants. I will do whatever God wants. You know what? Honestly, when it comes to serving the Lord, being used by God, oftentimes we will say these, I'll serve God in any way he wants, except for, fill in the blank. You know what bearing your cross means? You get rid of the phrase, except for. Bearing your cross says, I am willing to do whatever God wants. Period. No except for's. Because we're really good. Aren't we good at saying, you know, Lord, I'm willing to do all these things for you. I remember for the longest time, I told God, God, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a missionary. Because I wanted God to be impressed. Because I want, because, not because God wanted me to be a missionary, but because I wanted to be a missionary, so I didn't have to be a pastor. Because I thought, oh, that's a job nobody wants. My dad was a pastor, and I thought, oh, that's hard. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. And so I told God, and so I remember when I was 11 years old, I had to surrender. I had to surrender and say, God, I'm even willing to be a pastor if you want me to be a pastor. It was surrender. Bearing your cross means you get rid of the accept force. And you say, God, however you want to use me, I'm willing. That's bearing your cross. Then here's the third condition he says. He says, deny yourself. Take up your cross, he says, and follow me. By the way, the word following there, it's in a present tense, which means it's an ongoing thing. It's something that keeps on happening. It's continuous. In other words, Jesus says that life is supposed to be all about following me. And you know where, uh, and it's a word, this word follow me, uh, this verb, it has uh, behind it a concept of loyalty behind it. It's the idea that I will be loyal in chasing after Jesus, pleasing him, and serving him, and he is number one. Well, as opposed to what? You know, in the, um, book of Luke there's a sister passage in Luke 14 a sister passage to uh, Mark chapter 8 and in that passage Luke records for us that Jesus said this he said in Luke chapter 14 verse 26 he said if any man come to me and hate not his father his mother his wife his children his brothers brethren his sisters yea, and his own life also he cannot be my disciple Folks, what does Jesus mean? I'll say one thing. I don't, when he says, if a man hate not his brother, sister, his wife, his children, all that, I don't, you know, Jesus did not come to break the law. He came to fulfill it. Okay, so I don't think that Jesus would be saying here is um, okay. The first step you got to do to serving God is go out here and tell you know tell all your family members I hate you and I hate you and I hate you. Some of you are like oh I was hoping yeah no 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 that's not good. Remember forgiveness from Monday night okay? Um so so what is Jesus saying here? The idea is this is um you know oftentimes and even more so back then than now family was was the uh, person's biggest loyalty and so in essence what Jesus was saying was is that your loyalty to Jesus has to come before family so much so that people could look at your life and mistakenly think he hates his family. You say, Matt, that, that doesn't ever happen. Yes, it does. Have you never read about the persecuted church? You know what happens Muslim countries? a young person gets gets some um, gets saved he accepts Jesus as his savior and he finally comes and tells his parents and says mom dad i can't hide it anymore i'm a christian i asked jesus to be my savior you know what happens those muslim parents Go into a rage. Often they lose their tempers and they kick this this uh, young person out of the house, and they want and they expel him, they excommunicate him. They want nothing more to do with him. And then when the family comes over, they hear oh, he became a Christian. Yep, you know what the parents tell the other adults? They say, "Oh yes, our son he hates us. He doesn't care anything for us. He just doesn't love us anymore. He's gone off become a Christian. He hates us." They'll do that. Now, does new Christian hate his family? Oh, no. But the family thought he did. Why? Because the young person said, I have to be loyal to Jesus over family. Folks, can we do something here tonight? Can we knock out a worldly philosophy that's in the church? You want to hear a worldly philosophy tonight? Ready? Here it is. Worldly philosophy. Family's everything. Folks, family is not everything. God is everything. And friend, if you get those two mixed up, if you put family ahead of God, it won't be long before you lose your family. But if you'll put God first, you know what's amazing is that when you put God first, family will come right in behind him in its natural place where it's supposed to be. But if you exalt family over God, you'll probably lose your family. Jesus says, listen, you've got to be loyal to me over family. Are you willing to do that? What if, you ex- what if your extended family says, well, you know, uh, I don't know if I really like you serving the Lord like that. I really don't know if I want you uh, pleasing God or getting that involved in church or something like that. Folks, you've got to be loyal to Jesus over the extended family. You know, my um, I, my dad would tell about. He was a first-generation Christian, and uh, some of the things I learned from uh, I've heard about that my dad would do is just really neat. He got saved when he was a teenager, and his parents thought he'd get over it. Well, he still hasn't, you know. And uh, they thought he'd get over his salvation, but he didn't. And he wanted to serve God, wanted to go to uh, wanted to go to Bible college, and so uh, and so he felt God calling him to preach, and so he goes to um, Bob Jones University and graduates, and goes to Bible college. And I need to check with him on this, but I'm I'm. I know this his parents did not support him like financially anything I don't even know if they went to his graduation you know my dad picked my dad had to pick being loyal to God over family His parents never fully understood but you know um we got to pick who's first Jesus says you want to be used by me and that's why I said this is polarizing he says you're gonna have to learn to deny yourself bear your cross, and he says, and you're going to have to be loyal to following me. Even if family doesn't want to. So what does he say then? So he says, this is what he says. So you might say, you know, Brother Matt, I'm not really sure if I need another preacher, you know, coming down my throat, telling me what I ought to and ought not to do for God, telling me that I'm not serving God enough and all this stuff. I don't know if I really need more of that. Hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. I want us to look at the risks. Of holding on to that attitude what is what does Jesus say the risks are of not being willing to deny yourself take up your cross and follow him what does he say if you don't want to be a disciple what does he say is, uh, it will happen verse 35 verse 35 says for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Now, uh, we're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about discipleship. Jesus isn't saying that you're going to lose your salvation or something like that. What's he teaching here? The word save is a word that means to preserve, to keep something sacred and special, kind of to protect it inside of its own little box. And so, you know, isn't that kind of like what we love to do is we love to take our perfect American dream, American life, we like to preserve it up and we want it to look just like this and we have it all kind of kind of set up and put together and we think Oh my goodness, this is the perfect life You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work this job and get this much money and I'm gonna save towards this I'm gonna invest in this and I'm gonna buy this I'm gonna have this and then we'll have kids And we'll start this and do these things and add up towards retirement and Then we'll have these things after retirement and we get this this perfect little idea of a box And we end uh, and we get this idea and we make plans and then God says hey um, if you don't mind I'm gonna need to change some stuff in your box and we say, hands off the box. Folks, you know what Jesus says to those who want to preserve their life, save it up and preserve it just perfectly. God, keep your hands off it. I'm going to live my life the way I want. Listen, when I have time, I'll fit other things in for serving you and doing right with, uh, you know, like pleasing you and, and serving in the church. When people to the Lord, I'll fit that in. When it fits, don't touch my perfect preserved life. You know what Jesus says in verse 35? Those who do that, he says, you're going to lose it. What do you you mean by lose it? The idea of the word lose is the word destroy. It doesn't mean that if you don't serve God, you're going to just be poor. You'll never have money. That's not what what God's saying. The idea here is that uh, that really what you'll do, can we put it this way? A simpler way is to say you will waste your life by being consumed with things. In Luke 14, that sister passage, Luke 14 verse 33, Jesus said, "So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple." Now, is Jesus saying, "Okay, to be my disciple, you got to sell everything you own and never own anything anymore?" No. What he's saying is is that you have got to be willing to part with anything if it's what that's what it costs to serve God. Usually, we'll, we'll part with anything except four. And we make a little list to God and say, God, you can have all this, just don't touch my list. Can I tell you something? That is not a person that God can use. And maybe you've been living there for quite a while. I mean, you have a nice life. It's the typical American life, but it's just doing the typical American things and... And when you, you know, when you come to the end of life, what are you going to, what are people going to say? Well, you know, he was a, have you been to funerals where everything was empty? Like the words that were said were empty and they tried to create something to say about a person. They, I've been to somewhere. They were just like the nicest thing they could say about a person was, well, you know, know, (laughs) she could be feisty. I remember thinking that was the nicest thing they said about this person. What? What? That's the legacy we leave. That's the the crowning treasures that we leave. Is well, you know, he was a I don't know, he was a nice guy. I appreciated him. I liked him. What does that do for eternity? What does that do? And so Jesus says, He says, whosoever will save his life, try to preserve it. Up, you know what He says. You're going to end up doing. You're going to end up wasting your life you're going to end up wasting it listen we, we oftentimes say well that's something that we ought to be telling teenagers hey adults Jesus wants us to hear this because we sometimes get so wrapped up in our stuff Jesus says if you're not willing to part with anything Luke 14 he says if there is so, anything that you say I got to hang on to if I can't serve Jesus with this and I don't want to do it listen folks Jesus says you cannot be his disciple Usually, you know, we'll serve God as long as we still have Wi-Fi. We'll serve God so long as there's. A, we were joking this evening about the air conditioning that one time. You know, if um, you know, uh, we were joking about how she was telling us about a time with MBT when it was hot, there wasn't air conditioning, and you know, uh, and, you know, and sometimes that's all we need to say. Well, I'm not saying you t- you did not say this. I'm just saying maybe there was someone else there that said, well, if I don't have air conditioning, that I just I just don't know if I can serve God. You know, I just sometimes I just want to be like. Y'all been to, like, Iraq? Been with the Christians over there? (laughs) You ever been with the the poor, persecuted believers in, in Korea? in these these places that suffer for the Lord, and yet we say, well, you know, if I don't have all my comforts, well, I just don't know if I can really serve God. You know, if this is going to, this is going to uh, push into my sports program, or if this is going to mess up my hobby, if this is going to mess up my my club, my my organization I'm a part of, well, I just don't know if I can really be a part of that if it's going to mess with what i have you know what you're doing you're showing your where your box is you're naming the stuff that's in your little box that you want to keep perfectly preserved and jesus says you know what's going to happen at the end of your life he says it's all going to be lost oh look at verse 36 again this is written about listen if you use this verse to talk to unsaved people it's not a bad thing but this is especially for disciples he says what shall it profit a man there's a good money word what profit is it if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or, verse 37, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, Jesus is saying the most valuable thing that exists in our, in our, uh, our earthly life, he says the most valuable thing you can find is souls. You know why? Because the souls of men and women will exist past this earthly lifetime. That's it. Your car will get smashed one day. My car? Truck? We were talking about trucks the other night. Yeah, it's a sad thing to think. My truck one day is going to get smashed. Dirty bum. Who's going to do that, you know? One day someone else is going to have your house. One day someone else is going to have your property. One day sports are going to be gone. Leagues are going to disappear. One day our nation, if Jesus doesn't come back, is going to be overrun and gone. What did we live for you know what's going to last well that's kind of a bleak outlook it's not that bleak if you lived if you lived for the beauties of america yeah it's bleak but if you live for souls that's not so bleak you know why because you can be invested in something that will last for eternity but some of you aren't i don't say that listen your pastor has not told me names he hasn't gotten out a list and said all right here's the people that just don't serve god here's the people that are he hasn't done that folks are you, are you all of the disciple that Christ wants you to be? He says, you better know the risks. If you're going to live for yourself, you better know the risks of that. You're, you're going to waste your life. But then, here, we'll close with this. Is then, I um, want you to see, uh, after you see the risks, would you see the benefits? What, what benefit is it if I become a disciple of Jesus Christ? Notice what he says first in verse 35. He says, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake. In other words, if, if whosoever will destroy his life, basically pick up his life and cast it into Jesus' arms, saying, all right, I'm done with what I want to do. You can have it. Do whatever you want with it. What does Jesus say is going to happen to that person? He says, the same shall, uh, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake of the Gospels, the same shall save it. He says, you want to know who's going to preserve their life? Who's going to have a non-wasted life? Those who dump their entire life into my will. Us Americans, uh, this is, uh, I, I wonder if he, I don't know if Brother Coons used this with MBT for you, but one of the best illustrations is, is uh, we oftentimes, we come before God, and we have our life written out. We have it all described exactly how we want it at certain times, and the money we want, the people we want in our lives, how we want it run, and we hold up to God saying, would you mind signing off on this? When what God wants is he wants a blank sheet of paper with us signed off on the bottom that says, here, you write the story. And you make me whatever I'm supposed to be and you send me wherever I'm supposed to be sent and you do with me whatever I'm so sub- whatever you think needs to be done with me and you know what God says about those people that'll do that he says you'll be the ones that will preserve your life your life will have value your life you you saying, are you matt if I, if I don't serve God in this capacity you saying that my life won't have value I'm not saying your life is worthless but I'm saying this you try coming to the end of life knowing that you live for stuff stuff and stuff try come to the end of life and realizing that's what I live for folks it is a sickening thing that makes people panic at the end of life what an awful thing But I'll tell you what, the people who said, huh, I invested in people's lives, I, I did all I could for the Lord, I was not perfect, but I gave it everything I got for God, I told people that I knew about Jesus, I sought to win my family to the Lord, some were willing to hear and some were not, but I at least made all the effort that I possibly could. Those are the people that rest in the peace of the Lord, to know. I did God's will and they can rest in that peace he says you will he says you will save your life preserve it and 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 he says do it he says for my sake and the gospel's sake is the glory of God and the need of unsaved souls not a big enough motive for you to want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ you willing to come out of the crowd and be a disciple be willing to say no to what you want. Be willing to do whatever God wants, even if family doesn't agree with you. What are you going to live for? You're going to live for stuff. You're going to live for a retirement. You're going to live for the 401k. Is life just going to be about more, 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 more stuff? Or will you just say, you know what? God has blessed me. I am comfortable. You know what? I I don't. There's no reason for me to overdo it. I'm just going to give my life to, to to serving God as much as I can. You know, I've seen more than one person. That I can think of one especially right now. He retired one year early. You know why? Because he looked at his life and has, and has said, I'm set. I am okay financially. He said, I am set. I'm going to retire a year early so that I am available at any point for any reason for our church. And guess who gets called all the time to do everything? And he doesn't mind. You know why? Because he says, "I'm here. I'm here for a higher purpose. I'm not here for money. I'm here for a higher purpose to serve the Lord. Can we not have that attitude? the lost souls are depending on it. What will profit a man if he gained the whole world but lost a soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? These are Christ's terms of discipleship. Let's bow our heads. Lord, help us to be surrendered. Help us to obey. Help us, Lord. with heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just you know let me ask one question tonight. How many of you is there anyone here tonight? You would say you'd say, Matt, I heard a lot about what you're saying, but you would say Matt